Father God, I ask that you speak today. That you speak to my heart. That you speak to the heart of your people. That we would be more when we leave than what we were when we came in today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. What do you think was the secret to the Apostle Paul? What do you think was the secret to his power? What do you think it was that made him so determined? What made him so resolute? What made him so unflappable, so indefatigable? What do you think it was that made him so cotton-picking courageous? Let me read to you a passage from the letter which he wrote to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in 24. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers and danger from bandits, and danger from my own countrymen, and danger from Gentiles, and danger in the city, and danger in the country, and danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have gone often without food. I have been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Except for the last few references, does that sound more like an evangelist or a Navy SEAL? If you think about history, I can't think of anybody else outside of our Lord that suffered more willingly, by choice, than Paul did. No wonder that at his baptism, Ananias prophesied that Paul would suffer much for Jesus. So what is it? What was Paul's secret? Some of it was probably his character. He was zealous for God as a Jew. And he was zealous for God as a believer in Jesus. But I don't think that's enough. I don't think that can account for the record we're seeing here. Surely there's more than this alone. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up hearing that it was uh, probably the, his conversion experience. Going along to Damascus in the intent of persecuting the church and seeing a bright light around noontime that fell around them being knocked from his horse. And hearing that voice, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That that was it. Imagine, indeed, it had something to do with it, but I still think there's something else. When Paul's credibility was challenged, and was challenged in the church of Corinth because they had found special teachers that had special revelation, and Paul, you just can't compete with them, so just check out and leave us alone. Paul reluctantly, probably for the very first time, told him of his own spiritual experience. And I think this is maybe the core of what gave him his strength, his power. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verse 2, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. 
Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human being is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. What Paul had witnessed 14 years earlier still overwhelmed him. And I think that experience, it's crucial to his conviction, his motivation, and his power. Oh, yes. Yes, the resurrection is so very crucial to our faith. But for so many of the saints down throughout history, it was truly seeing the ascended Christ standing at the right hand of God that gave them the inspiration, the boldness, the power to take whatever step was next, to endure whatever suffering God might have set in their path. So it was that just when Stephen was about to be stoned to death in the the book of Acts, God let him see the ascended Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. And so in Acts 7, verse 54, it reads, When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And with all of that in mind, I want to turn to our reading from Ephesians today. Because I don't know about you, but I've got to admit that I tend to ask for physical things. Things that are very different from what Paul asked for. I ask for physical things for this world and this life. And sometimes they're real needs. And that's okay. Jesus told us in the the Lord's Prayer to, to, to ask for the food that we need for this day. Give us this day our daily bread. And Paul, Paul told us to pray for those who are in authority over us so that we can lead peaceable lives and the gospel of Christ can go forth unhindered. But sometimes, too often, I, I pray both for myself and for others for desires that are beyond just what we need to, to have food on the table or a roof over our head or clothes on our back. Things different from what Paul is praying for. Paul's prayer for the believers in the churches are, are very different from that. Listen again to what Paul says. Ephesians 1, verse 17, I keep asking that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, it's like the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. 
Paul wants deeply for the church to experience at least a portion of that vision of the resurrected and ascended Christ that he had experienced. At least a portion of the glory that Paul himself had witnessed. He wants them to experience, wants us to experience at least a portion of that vision that had given him such conviction, such drive, such perseverance, so that we too might have at least a portion of that same conviction, that same drive, that same perseverance. Paul, he wrote that he keeps on asking again and again and again. Paul prayed for the churches. Father, give them a spirit of wisdom. Give them a spirit of revelation. Not so that they can just know about you, but so that they can truly know you and know you better than they ever had before and better and better each day. Father, give them these things. Again and again, Paul prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be opened, the depths of their mind enlightened so that they could know, that they could grasp, that they could understand the hope and the greatness of the calling. The riches that are theirs because they were chosen to believe in and to know Christ. Again and again, Paul prayed that they would know the mighty power that had raised Christ from the dead. And that that power was also at work in them. He prayed that they would know the power that lifted Christ up from this earth. From this earthly existence which He shared for a time with us. Lifted Him to the very right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he wanted them to know that that power is at work in us now. Yeah, you see, the crucifixion of Christ, His sacrifice on the cross, it was there that our sins and the righteous judgment that God had against us were once and for all time neutralized. And death was destroyed. In the resurrection of Christ, God the Father chose or showed that Christ's sacrifice for us was accepted and that the power of death was finally broken. And in the ascension of Christ, in the ascension, God the Father brought, him, brought Christ to His own side with power and honor. And now Christ is seated above all powers, above every power and every authority in this world and in the world to come. He's higher than all the forces and rulers and dominions below the earth. He's higher than all the forces, rulers, and dominions on the earth. He's higher than all the forces, rulers, and dominions above the earth. Christ is now exalted so high above all other authorities that someday every knee will bow, that someday every tongue will confess that He is Lord to the glory of the Father. And perhaps shockingly, God said, Paul says that God did this for the benefit of the church. That church that God says, that Christ that God says is Christ's own body. And that's you, and that's me, and that's us as we gather together. 
Again and again and again. Paul prays that the churches would know this. He prays that they would experience this. He prays that they would live this in God's grace and power the way that he did. It's not the riches of this world that Paul prays that we would experience, but the riches of Christ. It's not the power of this world that Paul prays that we would experience, but the power of the Spirit. It's not the glories of this world that Paul prays that we would experience, but the glories of the world that is yet to come. These things, Paul says, come to us as we get the vision, as we grasp the meaning that Christ is seated at the right hand of God and that it's for the benefit and the power of His church and for the glory of God. Do you see the glory of that? Do you sense the power? And I also think of that verse in in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews says it was for the joy set before him that he endured the shame of the cross. And it is for the joy set before us that Paul endured. And it is for, for him, rather, that Paul endured and the joy set before us that we will endure. Oh God, grant us the wisdom. Grant us the knowledge. Grant us the vision of Christ triumphant, of Christ ascended, of Christ at the right hand of the Father. All of the things that Paul prayed that we would see and know and grasp. Make those real in our lives, in our experience, in our thoughts, in our prayers, in our vision, Father. But there's still another aspect of Christ's ascension that I want you to see in this ascension someday. You know, for a long time, I never thought much about Christ's ascension. In my mind, Jesus had simply gone back to being the way He was before the Incarnation. But that's not the teachings. That's not what Scripture reveals. For my thinking, it was as though his humanity had melted away when he died, or melted away when he was resurrected, or at least melted away when he ascended. But it didn't work like that. No, instead his humanity ascended to the right hand of the Father every much as did his divinity. Just as he was both fully human and fully divine on this earth, so now he is both fully divine and fully human standing at the right hand of God, seated on the throne of the universe. You see, that makes a difference. David, who lived long before Christ was incarnated, died or was resurrected or ascended, could write in Psalm 103.13, The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him, for He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. But the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, who knew that God was in Christ, who knew that He was resurrected, who knew that He was ascended, could write this, Hebrews 4.14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. 
For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, and we will find the grace to help us when we need it most. For we have a God who not only remembers that we are dust, he remembers He remembers and still has that human experience of being dust. On this Ascension Sunday, let us pray to Him remembering that our crucified, risen, and ascended Lord knows exactly what it's like to be as weak as we are, to be tempted even as we, each one of us, are being tempted. And especially... Let us pray to Him that the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of my heart, the eyes of your heart would be open to see and to know the glories of our inheritance, the incomprehensible power that is ours in Christ. Because He is raised, because He is ascended, because He stands at the right hand of the Father and all authority and all power and all dominion are His. So hallelujah, Christ is risen. And hallelujah, Christ has ascended. And hallelujah, Christ is enthroned at the right hand of power. And all other authority in the universe has been placed under His feet. And for that, and that is all for the benefit of His church and for the glory of God. Hallelujah.